Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the pod. Another week in MLW, postseason time, crunch time, and it was an exciting series on Friday. Kind of a shocking series on Friday, I think, for a lot of us, myself included. Um, yeah, a lot to talk about. We got Ryan Cratch on the line, kind of the man of the series, I must say, and um, we're going to unpack the whole thing. So this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Pipe Ryan, Jack, thank you for joining me this evening. Pleasure as always, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Long time no see, Ryan. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we, we had a good weekend together, right? Yeah, we had a great time. Great time, great time. Me, you, your father, Mr. Schultz, Kyle, the whole gang. But um, before we get too much into UFs, I want to talk about probably the thing that the fans are more interested in, which is the ALDS. Um, you guys took on the Cats in what I thought was going to be a very, very competitive series. I thought for sure we were going to see a three-game matchup, or at least a more competitive matchup, but my goodness, Ryan, your Preds came out firing on all cylinders in what was a pretty lopsided series and um, a convincing sweep. Nothing more I can really say about it in summary. It was was all Preds from the start. Yeah, definitely. I uh, just, you know, the boys came out rolling. Boys were hot, Uh, you know. Obviously, I had a pretty good performance at the plate, but I mean, don't let it distract you from the fact that Brennan and Warda were out there. They were hitting bombs with me. So, uh, yeah, it was really good for a first step in the in the playoffs. Hopefully, we can keep it rolling from here. You obviously had a really good performance at the plate as a team, but um, you also pitched phenomenally, Ryan. So what was your overall game plan going in against this star-studded lineup, um, you know, this this gauntlet of a batting lineup that we've talked about before? Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 tough because, uh, you know, facing a team bef- er- earlier in the season and facing them again, it's never easy. Um, but, you know, Kyle and Saylor are great hitters. And I feel like when I faced Kyle the first time around in the season, he wasn't himself, really. So I kind of knew that coming back that he was had he would have a different approach and that they'd see me now. So I was definitely working um, different type, different type of locations, different type of pitches and different counts. You know, they were used to seeing that two seam for the strikeout pitch. So, you know, I'd come back with maybe a curveball or slider trying to mix it up. But, uh, you know, it was it was it was a lot more complicated for sure. I mean, there was a lot of at bats against Kyle where I wasn't even trying to throw a strike. Um, I was trying to throw that two seam to start down the middle and then let it break in at his hands. Uh, it was pretty successful. He was chasing it most of the day. Yeah. How much I can tell you're mixing it up and you're doing a great job of that. Um, how much do you think like you've developed over the years, like not only your wiffle ball arsenal, but also like your pitching mind, like you're still pitching. You pitched in high school. Um, now you're pitching at the Division three level, just like from your pitching staff in college, both um, how they've helped you and how you've personally developed. Like how much do you think that affects your wiffle ball gameplay? I think it has a huge play. Um, there's, uh, you know, hitter tendencies are a really big part of the game that you wouldn't mm-hmm. really see unless, uh, you know, you are around people who know the game well. So uh, I picked up on a lot of tendencies over my time, especially this year. And I'm sure you guys could kind of see that. Um, getting uh, hitters to chase pitches that, you know, didn't even look like they were close, but, you know, just recognizing things, you know, I could see, you know, Saylor and Kyle talking to each other about, you know, if, if they see my arm go over the top that they think the two seems coming. So when I notice that, then I'm going to go over the top and I'm going to throw a slider, you know, just completely change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a game of, uh, of chess out there between, between the batter and the pitcher. I saw you kind of mixing in this, uh, slurve pitch that you had I think as Tommy coined it Mm -hmm. uh, as he was announcing I'm not sure how much I saw you throw that throughout the regular season but was that something that you added 
in the off season or was that something you added like brand new to this series? Um, so that pitch is kind of a variation of the Dallas Allen banana ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just watched him do it. You know, I'm at the series filming with Tom and Kyle. So, you know, over time you kind of can learn, pick up how pitchers are doing what they're doing. So I know I didn't develop that pitch over the off season. And I started to learn it as, uh, as before we played the Eagles, you can kind of see me use it in that series. But um, I knew that it was going to be really helpful against the Cats because they hadn't seen that yet. But do you purposefully hold back on a pitch like that and not mix it in maybe quite as much until the postseason starts or until the second time you face a team? Yeah, definitely. Um, I threw, and it's a, not on, uh, you know, because they show the last pitch, but I threw a lot mm-hmm. more sliders. I threw a lot more risers against the Cats. Um, and when I faced him the first time, I knew I would have to come around probably and face him again. So I was kind of holding back on two or three pitches so that I could look like a new pitcher, even though I wasn't. You and Alec are kind of uh, rocking as co-managers now. Um, what Was there anything specific that either Alec or you said to the team before this series? No, I mean, uh, you know, Alex just, uh, I was t- telling Tom this over the weekend, Alex, <laughs> you're pump up guy, you're uh, you're lock it in guy. But, you know, I'm more of just kind of trying to keep the guys laid back. I know Brennan plays well when he's having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was just, I was just telling the guys, you know, like, realistically what we want from this is just to play more wiffle ball and the only way to do that is to win so let's let's have a little fun so we can keep playing yeah i'm just impressed with the preds ability all year long to shock me into the offensive explosion and how you guys feed off each other i feel like no other team reacts the way that you guys do when it comes to you know hitting home runs and just the energy of the squad when one guy goes deep um i've just observed that over the years even not just this series but throughout the years and I, I want to bring up a particular play in this series. Um, and I, I hate to put someone on the spot, but the Jackson Pearson error in the first inning, a throw that got away um, and a, on a rainy day, on a wet day when the conditions were not mm-hmm. ideal, which was not in the forecast, by the way, guys. We were all kind of, I was like irritated because I'm one who always is checking the weather to, you know, because we're about filming and the gameplay too. So out of nowhere on the radar, this little this little rainstorm pops up, and it was pretty wet throughout in the entirety of Game 1 and even a little bit into Game 2. So just a moment like that, for example, a little thing that goes your way, how much do you think that directly changes the outcome of a series and of a game? Um, I think in that moment, it was very helpful, but I don't, you know, a lot. I saw a lot of comments about this saying, you know, that was kind of like the downfall right there. But, I mean, we were confident. Um, mm-hmm. When we played the Cats earlier this year, we were, you know, two pitches away from sweeping them, you know, yeah. McGlade, you know, just, you know, left two pitches out there over the plate and they got hit. But other than that, you know, I wasn't getting, I mean, I wasn't giving up too many hits and we were putting together some runs. So we were confident, um, but you know, it's the postseason and the energy's there and it's just a different vibe of the Meadows. So when, uh, when Jackson made that error, we got that run across, it was kind of just like, a, you know, a, uh, like a breath, you know, breath of relief, you know, almost just, you know, you can kind of relax. It's always good to play from ahead instead of playing from behind. <laughs> yeah, of course, always, especially in the postseason. Yeah. I feel like another um, maybe factor into why that play with Jackson even happened is just uh, Alex aggressive base running that he's mm-hmm. sort of brought to the whole league. Like you see a lot of guys kind of mimicking what he does for now. Sure, for sure you do. Um, he even had that that funny play where he kind of overran second in the second game and like hopped back. <laughs> right. Like yeah. he's just so agile around the the bases, but I feel like that's definitely got to play into a little bit of the Wildcats' defenses head, right? Where they're thinking about him all the time, don't want him to advance, and then you sort of tighten up. Um, so, like, how does Alec his 
overall persona and personality like bring energy to you guys? Um, I mean, you know, he's just, he's so excited to be there, Jack. I mean, he loves <laughs> wiffle ball, probably the most out of anybody I know. And so, um, funny. so, you know, when he brings, when he brings the squad together and he pulls it in, you know, you can really feel it and, you know, it's not, you know, it's funny now, but when you're there and like he, you can really tell like he needs to win. You no, know, he, he loves this game. I mean, he, so, he um, single-handedly got that game going. He, yeah. Like Jack said, he got oh, yeah. aggressive on the bases. Um, yeah. He forced the error and then very next at bat. Alec Ward a home run. He's just yeah. been doing that for and years. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I love. Uh, I love when. It, I love the way he plays like that. His play style is amazing, and it really molds well with uh, Brennan and I too. I think so. The chemistry on the Preds has been apparent for many, many years now. Mm-hmm. I I think it's also uh, just worth mentioning the I believe three uh, ALDS batting records that you set in this series with uh, average home runs and RBIs mm-hmm. correct in the series. Um, we talk all the time, you know, we give Jimmy a lot of credit for just being clutch in, in big moments. Um, I feel like you're someone like that too, Ryan, that, that has stepped up in a lot of big moments. Are you, would you describe yourself as someone who kind of feeds off that big moment energy and, and wants to be that person like at the mound, at the plate when, when the spotlight's on? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, I, I, I feed off of it well, I feel like, and uh, especially in that situation, you know, as, as SoFi stadium comes into your head and you have the pressure of that, you know um, it only just feeds it more. So, you know, like Ward and Brennan before the series are kind of saying, you know, they're kind of nervous and that comes with it. You, you get nervous for the postseason, but mm-hmm. now you have a trip to LA and you got <laughs> like, it's a lot bigger. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like I fed off it well and I kind of try to be the calm one on our team, even when I'm not, because you know, I I know that both of their both my teammates are you know jumping and they're excited, but uh, they're also you know you also got to bring them back down to earth, get them ready for the game. Yeah, for sure. I think you've been a good leader this year for the Preds. I mean, you guys, I think were ranked eighth coming into the season in the power rankings. Um, I was not high on you at all. Um, and series after series, you guys have continued to impress me. And even this series, I predicted you guys to beat the Wildcats going into it, but I didn't think it'd be in that fashion. Although I do think. Sometimes, yes, you guys dominated that series, right? You dominated it pretty much through mm-hmm. and through. But the Wildcats did fight and put together some good at-bats, but just the scoreboard didn't really reflect that too much. Yeah, um, definitely. But I feel like a lot of the focus and the narrative for the Preds this year has been, you know, the offense has been a, a talking point for sure, especially the offense as a whole and Brennan Russell and that kind of stuff. But for sure you're pitching, right? The, ev- the evolution of your mm-hmm. arsenal and how well you've pitched. But I'm also been, I've been very impressed by your bat, Ryan. Um it's not something that I saw coming really. It's funny. Me and you kind of both improved at the plate in years where I didn't think me and you were going to improve at the plate too much. Mm, right. <laughs> so I, I want to know for you personally, you know, what has helped you um, get the bat going, get the power numbers up and that kind of stuff. And what changes did you make from last year? Changes wise, I think one of the biggest ones that I have to give credit to is, you know, just kind of studying film a little bit more, uh, checking for tendencies. Jimmy Norp kind of put that into the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you can't, you don't see it on film much, but I've played, I've played series where jimmy's behind me charting my pitches oh yeah i'm um, trying is. to see what i throw in certain counts and he does that and mm-hmm. i you know i'm not i'm not to that extreme level but you know the series or you know because i know kyle well i know what his pitches look like um you know i'm just trying to envision success so at the plate um i changed my stance up a bit I, you guys can kind of notice that it's a little bit more closed mm-hmm. um, i've always been low but i feel like i'm a little bit lower this year and i'm kind of just you know envisioning pitches before they come in trying to like uh not guess per se, but just trying to envision what I want. And if I don't see it, then I don't swing. 
pretty similar with the strategy I've kind of taken up to, honestly, just looking for one. I feel like not, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but like you said, not guessing, but more just anticipating kind of, mm-hmm. right? Guess, guessing does not go yeah, well anticipating with football. success. As we learned yeah, this weekend. No. <laughs> yes. Seriously. You can't. When, well, MLW is the same way for, compared to the fast pitch stuff. Like with our distance and our speed limit, if you go up there trying to react, it's, it's so, so difficult. And you have to in two strike counts, right? Hitting in two strike counts is so, so difficult. So going up there with an approach that favors, um, you know, looking for a certain pitch or even in a certain location for a variety of pitches, that could probably work too. But you really got to have an approach, especially against these good pitchers like the Ryan Cratch mm-hmm. and the Kyle Schultz of the league. I think I'm definitely right. going to take a page out of both your guys' <laughs> book. And, and Well, it's hard be because some guys, and some guys know what you're looking for and they're not going to give it to you. Right? Mm-hmm. Or if they do, it's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a nice pitch you want to hit. So... Pitchers are good too, right? It's not like saying, oh, you're going to yeah. guaranteed success if you do this. But I do think having an approach and a mindset of looking for a pitch and anticipating that movement and that break um, should lead to more success. Yeah, I think that kind of tags on to what I think Jack or Tommy, you asked earlier about um, like being a pitcher in baseball, whatnot, recognizing mm-hmm. tendencies, um, you know, guessing pitches and whatnot. I feel like as a pitcher now, I can I can kind of tell what, what hitters are looking for these days. So I, you know, I kind of, as a pitcher, I want hitters to guess what I'm going to throw, but as a hitter, you know, I'm also kind of guessing what pitcher is going to throw. It's a really weird line that you have to find Jack. It takes time. Well, no, it is. Cause you have, you see just like the way I see, um, because even though I'm not as successful as a pitcher as you are, um, at one point in my life in you know, baseball, I was a decent pitcher. And I think especially on the mental side, um, like I, I knew what I was doing out there. I didn't have, you know, the 90 mile per hour fastball in baseball or the disgusting slider or anything like that. But I had a good, I had good off speed pitches. I could locate wherever I wanted to and that kind of stuff. So I knew, I, I knew how to attack a hitter. I knew how to make him chase and when to make him chase, what to show him to set up what pitches and that kind of stuff. And I think that gives you a huge advantage, especially you doing it at the collegiate level. I'm um, sure you've got way more wisdom in that regard than I, I did in high school, I'm assuming. So I think that plays, I think that speaks volumes in your game and just seeing how you pick apart these great hitters. I mean, the Wildcats lineup is one of the best lineups in MLW. For sure. Right? So just seeing you pick them apart twice now this year, I think speaks to just that experience and the difference between being able to pitch a whiff ball and actually knowing how to pitch. Does that make sense? The art of pitching, I think Ryan's right. kind of in a good spot there. And you kind of mentioned, Ryan, the, uh, the scouting work that you've, that you've added this year um but like you said you know and I talked about it last week the support from Russell has been incredible this year um Alex been great at the plate again have you guys um or have you sort of shed some of your scouting knowledge with them or do you guys chat often about you know your game plan as a team going in what pitches you guys as a team are looking for um, or are you guys more on like an individual basis in terms of your scouting approach? Um, that's a good question. And that's kind of like a full team thing. I feel like, so, uh, for Brennan and I, I work with Brennan a lot, like what pitches like he should be looking for. So like, if, you know, I, when I, when I look at Brennan facing, just call it Kyle Schultz. If I imagine I were Kyle and how I'd pitch to him. So, you know, I kind of like tell him like Kyle's tendencies, what I would throw to him in these spots and whatnot. But when it comes to Warda, um, I feel like something that people don't really talk about and they wouldn't really know about is Stephen McGlade and Warda's uh, sideline chatter, like how they work together. Um, mm-hmm. 
McGlade's obviously a college level hitter and he's a good one at that. So, you know, he's working with Ward is saying, you know, like this is the pitches that you're getting, you know, and this is what, this is when you should be swinging. This is when you should be attacking. And uh, Ward has really benefited from that. I mean, you guys can really kind of see it uh, recently. He's kind of just been coming to his own a little bit before the playoffs, which is huge for us. And I credit a lot and I'm sure he would too. I credit a lot of that to Steve. That's awesome to hear because I think we're seeing that kind of more and more in MLW. Um, and I don't really like to make this comparison because I feel like it can be kind of like degrading to certain players, but it's important. And I think it's crucial. And I think you need that guy. Well, a lot of guys need that guy to be successful. Um, the comparison I was going to make is like a backup quarterback in football, right? A lot of teams and a lot of people on the outside don't realize the importance of the backup quarterback. I think a lot of that communication and stuff like that most mm-hmm. of the backup. Is that correct, Jack? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for sure. With you saying McGlade is like helping Warda and that kind of thing and supporting the three-man lineup kind of as the fourth guy. I experienced that a lot this year with Brendan Davenport doing the same kind of stuff. You know, he'd be the one oftentimes looking at film and looking for tendencies and going to series and that kind of stuff. And it's so, so, so huge. Is it really valued and seen by the fans? No. Mm -hmm. But as a player and as a teammate, it's awesome. You know what I mean? So those guys can be invaluable at times. Mm -hmm. I mean, now now that I'm just... Now that we're talking about this and I'm thinking out loud, you know, we had a good discussion with Trevor Bonham about our struggles on on the Magic this year and how mm-hmm. there were times where, you know, people would just keep striking out and no one really knew what to say. Mm-hmm. And I think now kind of what mm-hmm. you guys are talking about, we just didn't really have that guy that could like mm-hmm. be, you know, give us direction on what to do at the plate like in each given series we mm-hmm. were always kind of like behind the eight ball like figuring it out like I think as the manager or in Ryan's case like co-manager you know you should be somewhat knowledgeable about that and I'm not for really sure. like a baseball guy so it's like mm-hmm. it's tough for me like I said to to be that guy to like analyze what the pitcher's doing and give people you know very helpful tips on like which pitches to look for like what to do like I do try to do that but mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That was just a reflective thought that I had now that you guys are talking it out. I don't know. I think just having that extra voice is is helpful. And you were saying like you didn't really have that guy. And I think it's tough because sometimes guys don't want to be that guy. Like mm-hmm. if you're not going to play, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to show up then. That's why like having McGlade was pitching, of course, but having him engaged in that game one and game three of the series every year or me having Davenport there on the sidelines every series, like it takes a level of maturity to say, okay, I might not play today, but I am contributing to this team's success. Right. Yeah. So those guys are awesome. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, you also switching gears a little bit. You mentioned the the sort of pressure um, that comes obviously with the playoffs, but maybe this year a little bit more with the chance to play at SoFi Stadium. As someone who's been in this league for many years now, what would it mean to you to be able to play at SoFi Stadium? I mean, that's just like a whole different level, right? <laughs> um, you know, we played we played in Toledo in front of a crowd and. You know, that was that was insane. I mean, that was crazy cool. Um, you know, I loved I loved that. But uh playing at SoFi Stadium, you know, right where the Super Bowl just was. Um, I'm a big Matt Stafford guy where you know, where he toes he toes the turf just about every <laughs> other Sunday. It's uh it's it's really cool. It's it, I, and you know, I just I love the I love the idea of it. I love how big it is for the league and you know, I feel like going there would uh would be really special. And speaking of that, just just how intense do you think this series is going to be against the Cobras and how much are you guys already looking your attention at that one? Um, hey, yeah, intense. Definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's one a three thing, game series. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Right. 
to LA on the line and it's, there's bad blood there, right? right? I already know that, right. you know, some words were exchanged as they saw everyone, all the viewers and listeners saw in the video um, between Sawyer and Brennan. And it's just, I don't know. I, I love this matchup so much. And I'm glad we get to, <laughs> I'm glad we get it again. But, you know, I think there's also a responsibility for you there, right? To make sure everyone's, you know, staying focused and level-headed and right. try to get these two right. wins to get to SoFi. Yeah. And that that's probably going to be the toughest part for me, Tom, is mm-hmm. keeping Brennan at a level head, uh, keeping Warda in tuned. Uh, obviously, Warda didn't have a great series against them. So, you know, trying to get him back in line, trying to get, you know, keep Brennan mentally where he needs to be. Um, it's, it's all part of the game now, especially at the co-manager position, which has really affected us. I I'm feel sorry. like, you know, I know, I know, I know what you're, I know it's funny, but you know, <laughs> I feel like it, it is this responsibility to try and keep them level-headed, you know, cause before I probably wouldn't have taken that role. Ryan's like the, the I think that's definitely the day-to-day role of Ryan. Ryan's like the, yeah, uh, that, the exactly. guy, the guy in the football team whose only job is to like hold the waist of the head coach when mm-hmm. he like runs out too far on the field. You know what I mean? Exactly. To like bring him back keep in. Him on like the white. Keep him yeah, on the white. That's that, that's Warda. And then that's Ryan's job is to like keep him back or Brennan maybe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the reason that I laugh, if you guys aren't aware when Ryan says co-manager thing, because when, as soon as they did that, I started making like office jokes because Michael and Jim are co-managers at one point. So yeah, that's why I right. find it funny. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's working. I think the Preds have had kind of an improbable run this year um, in terms of the expectations that we all had. I think Ryan and Alec and company had high expectations for themselves. But to be honest, that was kind of behind closed doors. Like I didn't know the work that Ryan was putting in in the offseason. I didn't know how serious and dedicated Russell and Warda were going to be this year. So it's been awesome to see. And I know Preds Nation runs deep. Preds Nation runs deep. So I'm sure it's been a, a, a great year for a lot of fans. Um, while we have you on, Ryan, you, you know, you did end up hitting a grand slam in, in uh, game one. Um, did you want to make any apologies about that? Yeah, play at all? I would. I would love to make an apology. What did he do? Um, I don't I'm, even know what happened here. Well, Tom, so. I mean, I, I watched the video, ball, but I forget. I hit that ball up into the air and I, I watched it fly. And I, at first, I didn't, initially, I didn't think it was going to go, but I started, you know, I kind of came to the realization that it might. And so when it went over, it was more of a shock. It was a shock thing. So, you know, I'm one for the bat flips and the toss of the bat and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I went for the bat spike this time instead of the bat flip (laughs) it uh the bat hit the ground i think it rolled twice and popped up and just clocked mark schultz right oh this was that play yeah i recall this happening live mm -hmm. and so it happened and it was a spur of the moment thing obviously i felt really bad and i came over and i grabbed my bat and when i when i grabbed it i said oh i didn't know it went over here and he said yeah it hit me in the face don't throw your bat i was like (laughs) Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, and so it was in the back of my mind for the rest of the day. I didn't know, and I didn't know that'll, how to approach that. That'll, throw, that, that'll so. throw you off for sure. The next right. one, it, so, yeah. yeah, it was pretty funny. You sorry, can watch my bat flips after that. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say the next, the next bat flip after that. Ryan made a point to throw it to the left where Mark Schultz was not <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> which There's one person you don't want to hit at the Meadows. It's Mr. Yeah. Schultz, man. Come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, he's just such an innocent guy. He's doing the stats. He's doing you know a ton of work for our league and. I just felt really bad. So, yeah, that next bat flip went to the left, and then the next two I pretty much just sat on the ground. Man. But I wasn't taking any chances. Good. I remember when we went to Oklahoma, um, because the fans were sitting so close to the game, I had to, like, tell Jordan, I was like, yo, if you hit a home run, like, please don't flip your bat. Because, like, that's <laughs> in his DNA. Like, he's been doing that for years the exact same way. And he's like, okay, yeah, I won't do a bat flip. But sure enough, when he hit that home run, he bat flipped. But he kind of, I think on purpose, he flipped it, like, more into fair territory than he did put to the right, mm-hmm. like, 
down the first baseline, so it didn't hit anybody. But that was a concern of mine for sure. Don't want fans getting clocked by a bat. I think MLW uh, might have like a bat flipping epidemic there problem is an epidemic. right now. I agree. It's, it's, it's like a problem. We've had some bad instances this year. I'm not. Well, this is Ryan. This is not directed at you at all as a player. You do you. But I'm just I'm just speaking. I'm just calling it how I see it from a third party. Um, I do think that the bat flips have gotten aggressive. They've gotten Mark Schultz aggressive. got hit. I mean, come on, where, <laughs> yeah. do, we, where, where do we draw does the, the line? Get yeah. drawn in the sand. No, it's yeah, not because they're right, not Tom. Ryan's bat flips. And once again, Ryan, you do you, man. But Ryan's bat flips are not bat flips. Ryan's bat flips are bat chucks, bat yep. throws, bats launched, bat assaults. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's on another level. I mean, we saw a bat spike in the Phillies series last weekend. Um, I don't know where we draw the line because now I sound like an old head who's like against bat flipping and I'm not, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I just don't know with Mark, Mark getting hit, I think yeah, changes I mean, everything. I think that changes everything. Yeah. I, I sometimes you, know, you gotta say like, enough is enough, right, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm mean, being a hundred percent honest. I don't think I'll stop until <laughs> <you know. laughs> what's it going to take, Ryan? What's it going to take? I don't know. It would it would have to take a lot because I know it gets the guys fired up. It gets me fired up, and you know I like I want to hit more home runs because I like the bat flips. So or bat uh, throws or bat. I feel like me. Chuck, I didn't get to bat flip. This I'm year just at all. not like when I hit a home run. I'm like I, I I feel the content. Like oh yeah, I nailed that. But then the bats are like on the ground before I'm like yeah, it's a home run. Like I'm not that confident when I hit a ball over to be like yeah, I'm gonna bat flip this thing. So I actually feel like the. When I the few bat flips I've had, Jack, you've had some nasty bat flips in your day. I can't even lie to you. Back in 2016, 2017, there was a moment, Jack, where I remember texting you. I was like, "This is the coldest bat flip in MLB <laughs> history." Jack, there was the the game where you when you were on the Preds, you guys went back to back to back. I think which you guys did as yes, well. Oh yeah! Awesome. By the way, I forgot. Oh boy, what is Jack doing? Jack is getting up and taking off his sweatshirt. Yeah. Oh, he wore his Preds jersey. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the old school one. Back the to back jersey. to back to back, baby. He did it, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that day, Jack, I'm telling you, had the nastiest bat flip of all time. Because the reason it was so nasty, <laughs> because Jack has played zero baseball in his life, right? He comes into MLW, hits a bomb, just hits the cleanest bat flip of all time. <laughs> it was so sick. I feel like half the time when I hit the home run, oh, like you're goodness. saying, I like I would be like halfway to first base and then realize it went over, and uh-huh. then the bat was already out of my hand, and I was no, like, oh, I wish I could have done I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna roll cool the clip. I'm gonna roll the clip of Jack's bat flip in 2016. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was so cold. It was awesome. All right, good to hear. Let's go. I don't. I don't think any of mine were cool besides the one I hit off Baranowski in the regular season. Uh, it, it, when we played the Cobras, I think that was the only like truly like real one. Other than that, I do kind of make it a point to throw it across the, across the diamond. But that was the that was the only yeah. I mean, that's like I said. Now it's kind of your thing, so you keep doing you. Yeah, you got to roll with it. I now. don't know how many more oh, yeah. grown men you can hit in the face before you say enough is enough. I mean, what if that was me? You would think one. You would think one. You'd think be it would just be one. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll yeah. see. Um, but what a series for you, Ryan. Congratulations on a big win, a great performance. Um, the Predators are moving on to the ALCS where they will face the Cobras in what should be an absolute barn burner of a series. Um, that one's going to have all eyes on it. That's like the game that's primetime, 7.30 ABC, like mm. the big one, you know what I mean? So exactly. we're looking forward to it, Ryan, and I wish you, wish you the best of luck, man. We'll see. Appreciate it. I appreciate one it. One more step in the road to SoFi for the Predators. Ryan, have a good evening. Thank you. Peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks again to Ryan for joining us on Pipe It Up. Always a pleasure having him on. Been having a great year. Great to talk to him. Good luck to the Preds against the Cobras. Can't wait for that series. But uh, we're going to get into a couple Q of the days. Um, We actually have two today, which is uh, more than we usually have. So let's jump into it, Tom. Q. 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 Q of the day. Jack, you lead off with your question first. So this question came in from Noah Khan. Question is, do you think the Wildcats playing less competitive teams didn't prepare them for the Predators? Even though the Wildcats Ooh. ended their season 6-0, and it was against the two teams who didn't make the playoffs. That's very interesting. Um, yes, the Wildcats did face easier lineups. That is very true. And I kind of agree somewhat. I mean, because there weren't, they weren't, but there was some pressure though, right? Because they were trying to earn themselves a one seed. Mm-hmm. That was their goal, and they kind of had it. If you guys didn't know this, with the way things worked out, um, if the Cobras wouldn't have came back and walked off the Diamondbacks at Little Fenway, the Wildcats would have had the one seed. That's how close the American League race was. So they were playing for something. So there was a little bit of pressure on. However, yes, the Magic are an easier lineup to get through. The Gators are a little tougher, I'd say, but overall. Um, as the record reflects, they weren't the best teams. I will say it is different, right? Because you, you put yourself in a high-pressure situation against a good Preds team who the Wildcats didn't match up that well against this year. Um, but at the same time, this team does have experience. They made it all the way to the World Series last year um, with the same lineup, Sailor and Pearson and Kyle. So I would say it didn't have too much of an effect on the series. But Jack, what do you think? So here's what I would say about it is I think the Wildcats playing the Magic and the Gators didn't have that much of an effect on the Wildcats in the Predators series based, you know, given exactly what you said, right? Mm-hmm. They're an experienced team. They've been there before. They know how to take care of business. However, I think if it was flipped around and the Predators had played the Magic and the Gators and went 6-0 and in their last two games, mm-hmm. I think it would have affected the mentality of the Predators going into that series a little bit. Um, hypothetically, I just feel like the Predators have always been a team that rise to the occasion when they're sort of like the underdog and play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, but if they had sort of like kind of coasted through the second half of the season mm-hmm. and not really faced too much adversity, mm-hmm. I feel like they maybe could have came in um, with not as much fire in them, you know, maybe expecting to win a little bit more because that's kind of like recently what had been happening to them. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of like it affecting the Wildcats, probably not a lot. I think the Predators honestly just showed up and were the better team that day. And I think that was obvious in the video. Yeah. Um, But I can never know. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because the Predators, for whatever reason, like, for example, that series against the Eagles they played, meant way more to the Eagles than to yeah. the Predators, right? The Eagles had all the pressure there. The Preds were playing for a potential higher seed for home field advantage in their series against the Cats they just played in. But overall, that series didn't mean a whole lot. When that team plays loose, it's it's different. Their chemistry's mm-hmm. better. 
Ward is always all fired up. I think Russell plays better with less pressure on him. Um, and I think that series against the Eagles being a low-pressure environment, um, but still like somewhat meaningful, I guess. I think that helped them a lot because that showed them like when they played all tense and nervous against the Cobras and they had Sawyer, John, and getting in their heads, mm-hmm. it didn't go well, right? Warner no. did not play well. Russell didn't do too hot. Ryan pitched okay, but um, overall it was not a great day for the Predators. So I think they're, like you said, I think those that sequence of games for the Predators, going Cobras to Eagles, I think was huge for them. Yeah. I think it taught them a lot and le- they learned a lot about themselves. So I think, like you said, I think you hit it on the head that I think their their second half affected a lot of their mentality going into the playoffs, whereas the Wildcats weren't too tested and it had been a while since they had a high-pressure, really high-pressure series. So I don't know. It's interesting to think about, though, for sure, because I think that has an effect. And I was thinking the same thing for us. You know, we had the same sequence. We went Gators Magic. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's going to go 0 to 100 real quick. You know what I mean? So, But it worked out for you guys because you at least could get the bye week and maybe mm-hmm. have a little bit of time to sort of like, you know, get that point across Good to your team. Like, I, yeah. I was, and everyone thought I was full of it when like I, I was at the series when the Preds beat the Eagles and everyone's like, oh, Tom, you got the one seed. And I was like, I know. And I was like, I have mixed feelings. Like, no, you don't. Come on, you're hyped. And I'm like, I know, like, I am hyped. Yeah. But I've seen teams gain that momentum in the division series, right? Like that win can give you so much confidence. Like, yo, we just won with the season on the line. Like, let's go. Who's next type situation? So having to sit through that and then just go right into a winner goes to the World Series series is uh, it's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. it's different. It's a different transition. So I was mostly happy because I'm like, okay, now like we only have to win one series to get to the World Series instead of two, and that's two good teams. We get to avoid that. And I was hoping we don't have to play the Eagles. I'm still hoping that. So yes, I was like, I think the pros outweigh the cons here, but I was like, mm-hmm. I do see a benefit in a perfect world of playing in that DS. It's just more reps, more experience, seeing more pitches more time to bond, all that kind of stuff. So, And to your Anyways. point, yeah, and to your point, what I was saying earlier, like if the Predators, like let's just say in theory the Predators swept the Cobras and swept the Eagles, mm-hmm. they probably, I don't know about the math, but they probably would have been the one seed, right? It was a pretty tight race. Yeah. The Cobra, right? that, that, they that, been, yes, that co- they were in the lead. Yeah. That Cobra series changed everything. Right. We so, thought the Preds had it, had it made, and then the Cobras shocked right. the world. Sawyer played amazing and swept them. Yeah. So to your point, like if the Predators were the one seed and mm-hmm. like they didn't have this series to like, because oh, right now, sure. I mean, if you're, uh, you know, on the, in the Predators organization or a fan, like you should be so ecstatic yes, about your team's sure. performance and your momentum going into the next one. Absolutely. But if, if they a were Cobra's one fan, seed, you know, if you're, if you're a Cobra fan, you're like, oh man, this team looks crazy. That's what, I'm, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what the DS can do. Yep. If you can survive it. Yep. So, um, it, can, it can play in your favor and it can like for the Wildcats for example if they would have got the one seed they could it'd still be alive and they were one game away from that um, so yes momentum's cool but at the same time elimination sucks yep. so <laughs> it's uh, it's it's just performing when you need to perform it's showing up when the season's on the line and uh, if you can do that you're going to have a lot of success so great question Noah the second question I was actually asked on the spot um, we were out in Pennsylvania this weekend and a fan approached me and was like, hey, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Um, and he's like, can I do a, I have a, I have a question for you of the day. I was like, oh, sweet. Let me write it down. I was like, oh, wait, better yet. Let's just record this right now. So I actually whipped out my phone and did a little voice memo. And here it was. I'm on the field at UIFS in York, Pennsylvania. What's your name, buddy? My name's Hunter Slabinski. I am the commissioner of the Alaska Football League. Came all the way from Alaska for this event. And Hunter, what is your question for the Q of the day? My Q of the day is, uh, you brought this up. I don't even know if you didn't do it then. But on episode 11, okay. on episode 11 of the podcast, 
uh, Kyle and Dan, I think, were talking about what an MLW video game would look like. Mm -hmm. Could you revisit that? Let's do that right now. All right. Thanks, Hunter, from the Alaska Wiffleball League. And yes, you heard that right. Um, him and his family traveled all the way from Alaska to meet us and to see the UF's Fan Fest and the UF's tournament, which is unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. That's, that's true. Uh, but anyways, um, MLW video game. Uh, yes, we've seen the question pop up before. We've seen, I think even the podcast, yes, maybe 100 episodes or so ago, uh, we discussed it. But um, what do we think it should look like and what will that look like? I think about like MLB video games and how those are played with like pitch location and all the different hitting techniques and stuff like that. But I think the big difference there would be, um, you know, the wiffle ball aspect, which is it's extremely hard to hit at times mm -hmm. and the pitching arsenals are crazy. But I think in terms of an MLW video game, like all the pitchers, like Ryan, Kratz, let's just take Ryan Cratch, for example, like his arsenal includes the two seam fastball. It includes a riser. It includes that sidearm slurve. It includes all that kind of stuff that's unique to him, and that's reflected on the screen. You know, you see that crazy movement that you're trying to hit, and I think the probability of you hitting that pitch is, you know, significantly worse if you're a player who's not a great hitter versus more confident hitters. Because as we see in MLW, um, yeah, there's a huge difference between the best hitters and the worst hitters as of right now. Like, yeah, some guys are very successful and some guys are not. Like, unfortunately, for most of the Magic hitters, so to make it pretty realistic, I think you'd have to reflect that. Um, but a guy like, um, you know, a Dallas Allen who led the league in average, you know, it should be a little bit easier for him to hit off crutch versus, you know, maybe a, a Jack Agner for say, yeah, <laughs> um, shots fired. <laughs> I almost think like, uh, just because how crazy the movement is with a wiffle ball, you'd almost have to start with like a base of like baseball superstars. Like, did you ever play that game on your phone? Yeah. With like the crazy movement. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. like the MLB, like the MLB video games. They're almost like too rigid. Like they have those pitches, but like I don't know how you would get it to like change that much where it's like you know what I'm saying? For the actual like game to be functional. Like it would almost have to be like cartoony in a way. I think that would definitely be fun. Yeah. Right? No, yeah, it would it, be a it fun would look, game, but I think yeah, too realistic would not be cool. Yeah, too I realistic agree. it would be like in a video game, it would almost be hard to do because the movement is like so crazy you know yeah. what i mean it would not look realistic it wouldn't i agree so it would have to be it would have to but be kind of like but cartoony. Think about Jack, that cartoon baseball game was the most fun game oh it of was all so time. fun it was amazing i love that game and i like to like i think playing you know it should be multiple modes but like playing mlb the show let's say can be like a very slow paced game like the three pitch at bats and that kind of stuff like real baseball mm -hmm. i think like baseball superstars was like having that like fast paced action of like a one pitch thing or like you're only doing one at bat for a certain player. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. So no, I agree. I would absolutely like if that game got revived or MLW made a video game like that, like I would mm -hmm. play that game for sure. I love those games. Yeah. We wanted to do it for sure, but it's no, it's no easy task. Oh no. Um, I think too, like we've talked about before, like having, you know, Kyle or myself's like voice memos in there, like a little audio bites of us, like calling games or calling home runs or strikeout calls, having those queued into a video game would be sweet. Um, you know, having a mock-up of the Meadows or Colts field, having both stadiums in there, like maybe having yeah. one of them unlockable yeah. would be cool. Being able be to sweet. unlock certain players or old teams would be cool. All that kind of stuff I think would be, um, it would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. Like, uh, Madden, does like the the ultimate team oh yeah like if you did so an ultimate sick. team and you could get like some of the old guys that played in the league you know what i mean who were really mm -hmm. good back in the day like i know i know like 
Chad Renzi. Like that's yeah, a guy exactly. who would, that would be a great card to draw, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. It's I think a lot of it would be taking inspiration, yeah, from like what are the most fun things to do in like all of our favorite sports video games, and then bring yeah. that into like one MLW. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like anything unique we could maybe add that would make it like super duper fun. Um, you know, it would be sick, which would be really intense, but like. What would be would be absolutely insane. I'm thinking about this on the spot. Is if somehow like it was coded so smartly that like you could take a wiffle ball, like a blank ball, and scuff it. Like scuff your ball in the game and that way you could pitch differently. <laughs> that'd be sick. That dude. would be cool. Or like, you have I like, mean it would yeah. be possible. Like if you think mm-hmm. about like a certain it's all aerodynamics, right? So if you could program it to wear like a scuff pattern that looks like this. Right. How will that aerodynamically affect a wiffle ball? You could do that. That wouldn't be that bad, I don't think, even. That's where my brain is like struggling to picture what an actual MLW video game would look like because the way an MLW, like the way a wiffle ball moves, so is crazy. almost like unreal. It like is like it's a video almost game. it's like a cartoon. Yeah, it's like, like a, it's like the the baseball superstar. Like like we literally joke about Dallas Allen's banana ball. Mm-hmm. That's Being from a, video a cartoon game video yes, game. You yes, know what yes. I mean? So it's tough I to think, honestly visualize for me. No, I think. I think you're. I think the cartoon theme is the move. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think the realism. It, I guess it would be, oh, it's always cool to see yourself in a video game, but I yeah. think the cartoon aspect is sick, and it has that backyard feel to it, that homegrown feel that MLW has. I think like making cartoons of ourselves is the coolest thing to do. I think, and I also think simple is better. I don't want anything too complex. I, scuffing the ball is so complex. Yeah, that'd be an option, but I do think simple is better. I in agree. Because like, I and I also feel like if you made it too complex and like too realistic looking it would feel janky and you wouldn't you wouldn't like how it played you know what i mean because Mm -hmm. it looks realistic but then you'd be playing it and it wouldn't actually move how the ball moves you know what i mean like because it would be Mm -hmm. so hard to do that but if you had like a like a you know fake animate like a i don't know like i'm just struggling to no i i think jack what it is is it have to be like it have to be all animated right so like ryan cratch would have the two seam animation, it would have his slurve animation, the curveball, a riser. So that, that would all look different coming in, right? And it'd be cartoonish, I think. Um, then as a hitter, I think the most fun thing to do based on the baseball like games that I've played, I think one touch controls is like the coolest thing, right? Maybe like yes. a contact button and a power hitting button. Yeah. All about timing, that kind of stuff. So now that I'm thinking about it, I think this is what my brain has been trying to say for the past like five minutes. Okay. So like if you watch or if like you see how other video games are made, right? Like they have people kind of or like movies too where they put on those suits and they're actually like doing the motions right and then they're like recreating it with the computers and Mm -hmm. stuff i don't think that would work like at all like if it was like you or if it was like you know say like dallas like going in and like throwing his slurve or whatever and Mm -hmm. them trying to like record that and then put it into like a realistic video game i feel like that video game would feel very clunky and no one would want to frustrating man it would be way too frustrating but if you just made it where it was like a cartoon version of Dallas. And then Mm -hmm. you just programmed an animation where it was a ball that swept way out to the left and came back. I agree. That would be way more fun. I totally agree. That's what I've been trying to say. (laughs) I totally agree. And I think, like I said, hitting simple one touch controls. Like, yeah, if you time it right and it's a strike, you make contact. If it's a ball and you swing at it, that's, you know, that's no dice. I think that's the simplest thing to do. There's a lot of different, I think that's the most important thing is keeping, I think simple, simple, Yet fun and addicting is like the most important things in a video game. So for sure, think of like the think of all the I was, video I think games, of like apps, like phone games and stuff like that. all the fun. Yeah, like 
I feel like more more people would play it too if it was mobile accessible. You know what I mean? Like that would be the best if we could make it for. I think mobile. I think yeah. Like I'm thinking the cartoon thing would be like a mobile thing. Yeah. If you wanted to like go full scale, like yeah, <laughs> Xbox PlayStation game, then yeah, maybe you make it realistic. But like I said, I just don't think that fits. I don't know. I I'd prefer to play like a quick game I can just knock out when I have free time and then you know yeah sit back down. But that's just me. I think about all the like addicting games that you played on your phone as a youngster yeah. they were all the simplest games exactly so i'm saying doodle simple. jump yeah so flappy simple. bird so simple you know what i mean like mm-hmm. those were literally one touch with your thumb like you're doing or like tilting your screen it was like the mm-hmm. most basic coding and it was like so fun yeah so I agree. I agree with simplicity being key simplicity but also putting in mlw like i said like the meadows cold yeah. field audio bites is cool like our theme song would be cool um all that kind of stuff i think would be would be sick so we definitely thought about it of course who hasn't and um one day you never know but i also don't know like are mobile games as popular as they used to be i feel like at least in our generation like it's, no one's really playing mobile games too much but maybe well, in the younger to, generation uh yeah i feel like i don't know it's tough because we're hopefully at, at our age not playing game, <laughs> games on our phone <laughs> all day long but there's me, definitely there's de- no i'm not i because i i play yeah i play games on my phone still but you do yeah what games um i, I pretty much I only play, play retro bowl to be honest that's like that kind a football of game I play. yeah i've heard of retro it's bowl. so fun i'm not one gonna of my lie friends, it's so fun one of my friends swamp man was like yeah dude i love retro bowl and i'm like what the heck is retro bowl and i downloaded it jack and it, it didn't get me i tried really? it for like five minutes and i was like nah oh i'm like i'm probably like almost 30 seasons into my <laughs> into my Jack, like five dynasty. seconds ago hopefully we're not playing mobile games on our phone at our age okay well like i if you're on like an airplane mm-hmm. if you're on like a two-hour airplane ride you could get through almost yeah, a full season and of i'm remembering like, now we played flappy golf too the whole way home from Oklahoma. Yes, so yes exactly but anyway i don't i don't actually play any games i'm proud to say that i guess on my phone but i do play xbox with the boys so anyway what's your favorite mobile game of all time because when i was a kid mm. like yeah i got our family got an ipad when i was in fifth grade the gen one ipad and man i just gamed on that thing all evening after school like that's all i did yeah from like fifth to seventh grade i just lived on the mobile games my mom actually recently uh dug out this box out of our basement and dusted it off and pulled out all these old electronics like ipod touches mm-hmm. and iphones and stuff and i fired up the old ipad or ipod i had so and dude fun. i'm not even kidding you it was like six full pages of games. of games like so many games i think the one i'm trying to think of the one i played the most um i really i played subway surfers a lot i never really that's got another simple that one. one um temple, that kind of game temple, temple, run, temple run i was i liked temple run was sick i played this game that was uh I think it was called like light bike. Maybe? Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Heard Where of that. you're kind of driving around on a bike, and behind you, you're sort of leaving a trail. Yes, yes. It's like it's like Slither. If you've ever played Slither I love on the computer, Slither. Love yeah. Slither. Except you're on a awesome. bike instead of being a snake, essentially, okay. and you're just trying to have people run into your trail. Oh, that game that was super fun. fun. Yeah, I had a couple good ones. Um, Clash of Clans was huge, goaded <sighs> game, dude. Um, for sure. Um, cut the rope. I loved. And cut the rope. A newer one that I played, like in high school, but like no one else really was into it. But I always loved it. There was a game called Fun Run. Oh, I love. It was kind of like Mario Kart. I went hard on that game. Fun bro. Run was. I really went fun. hard on that game. The game was sick. 
But an MLW mobile game would for sure be a dream come true, and maybe one day we can make it happen. So thanks for your questions, Noah, Hunter. Hunter, it was amazing to meet you as well, and thanks for coming from Alaska. So shout out to you. The only thing left to do now, folks, is talk about next Friday. Eagles versus D-backs. And the very first time they played this year was an incredible series, probably arguably the best of the year. When the D-backs shocked the world, took down two out of three from the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be watching this one closely because I'll be playing the winner in the NLCS. But, uh, Jack, what do you think the, uh, the key factors are in this one? Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned it about this series specifically on the last podcast, but I think the big thing for this series is going to be game one. Um, whoever, I just, I feel like if the Diamondbacks win, which the Diamondbacks are my pick, as you guys saw, um, I think if the Diamondbacks win, I just have a hard time seeing the Eagles winning two in a row after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have... Yeah, I just don't, I don't think either team, like even if the Eagles win, I don't know if the Diamondbacks could win two in a row after that either. Um, it's so hard, I, it's so I, hard. I think the Diamondbacks will take game one. I think we'll see, you know, some homers out of Jimmy. Um, I think it'll be, for the most part, probably pretty low scoring. Like both teams are good at pitching, but I think, you know, the scores will probably be pretty close. Like, I don't think it's going to be like shootouts or anything by any means. Okay. I think it'll probably be a pretty close series. Like, you know, I'm talking 3-1, 4-2 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, when I look at this one, um, on paper, it's like the Eagles are the heavy favorites because of their record. But as we know, the D-backs already beat them once this year. And the D-backs are a great team. So um, I think it'll probably come down to just limiting the walks, limiting the mistakes, doing the simple things right. You know what I mean? Um, these guys are known for that. I also think, too, it would be interesting to see how they manage their bullpens. Mm-hmm. As the D-backs, um, they went Jimmy to Casey in their last series of the year. And Casey Bennett pitched pretty well, mm-hmm. um, but no like big game experience for him. Joni Heath has pitched in a lot of big games, and Trey Flood's also young. So I'm interested to see how the D-backs manage their bullpen. Um, for the Eagles, I expect them to go Dallas, Dan, Dallas, if it goes three games. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how that's managed. So... I think it'll just come down to doing the little things right, Jack, and executing. Yeah, I think um, that's one thing that the the D-backs showed last year was doing the little things, especially defensively, helped them. Huge. And both of these teams have been fantastic defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like you said, the little things, especially on defense, you know, making the plays you're supposed to make is going to make the difference. Yeah. Should be a great one. Friday at 4 o'clock, tune in. You guys ran out the last video right away at 4 o'clock. I think um, the first postseason series has like already surpassed the Magic versus Mallards. Um, Shocker. Like regular <laughs> regular <laughs> season conclusion on YouTube. So uh, keep running it up. Tune in. Um, you know, reshare the, the video and stuff like that. We appreciate all of it. So um, it's going to be an absolute banger. Can't wait for you guys to see it. And uh, until then, we'll talk about it next week. But thanks for tuning in. Peace. And before we end the show, I uh, realized we did not really address the UFs tournament from this past weekend or the Fan Fest we had on Friday night. So Jack and I will lead off next week's show um, with that topic. But first and foremost, just thank you so much to everyone that came out, especially those of you that traveled from very far away places like Alaska. Um, That's just unbelievable. So I thank you guys so much. And for those that wanted a shout out and all that kind of stuff, and for those that um, want more details about that event, we will uh, get into it next week. So. We'll see you then. Oh, 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 oh,
Pipe it up, pipe it up, pipe it up.